0: Sometimes it's hard to go it alone, isn't it? Well, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to. That is, you shouldn't have to. I realize that there are some situations, there are some circumstances in which it's very difficult to find help. But the Church of Jesus Christ, if it's a church that in even the smallest way approximates what Jesus Christ says it ought to be is a place where that help is available. Of course, there's help from the Word of God for every Christian and there's help from the power of the Spirit as he enables us to do what we obediently set out to do as we have read it in the Word of God. But I'm talking about another kind of help that God has provided for his people. And that is the mutual encouragement that comes from being a part of a fellowship of believers you see in the book of hebrews there were christians hebrew christians who had come to know jesus christ who were now beginning to suffer persecution and under that persecution The writer says that they hadn't yet shed blood for their faith, but there was perhaps ostracism and strong pressure placed upon them, brought to bear upon them to try to get them to leave their newfound faith. Under this, they were asking themselves some questions. They were questioning whether they had made a good decision in becoming Christians. And they were asking, should we perhaps go back to Judaism after all? There wasn't so much persecution to endure. Friends, relatives, people who used to frequent their shops now didn't come by quite so frequently. Indeed, if they did, what they had to say was not always very pleasant. After all, this decision we made to follow Jesus Christ, has has it really gotten us anything but trouble? That was the kind of question that was coming to their minds. And there are people today who have that same kind of question on their minds. They say, well, I didn't even have to worry about many of the things that I'm concerned about now before I became a Christian because then they just weren't even matters of consequence to me. Now they see that they have to mind their P's and Q's. They have to do what the Word of God has to say. Life is much more stringent in many respects. And they think, is it worthwhile? Well, let me tell you, it is worthwhile. The answer of the whole letter of Hebrews is yes, you do have something better. That's the key word in the book of Hebrews, something better in Christ than you had before you came to know Christ. Oh, sure, there may be new responsibilities, but there are new joys, new pleasures, new opportunities. And there is, as he says in verse 20 of Hebrews 10, a new and living way. There's something new and it's alive. It's vital. It's real. This new and living way, which means direct access to God through the torn veil, the torn body of Jesus Christ, not only requires that we come to him and find our answer from him, but it also provides for something right here, Now this passage is telling us that we must not drift away from our Christian faith. And one of the first signs that a person is drifting is his failure to come together with God's people, his failure to be a part of those people. And so we read here in verse 25, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as has become the habit of some the first sign that one is beginning to become a bit doubtful about his faith, a bit unconcerned about this new and living way, is this drifting from the assembly of God's people as they meet together to worship their Lord and to stimulate and help and encourage each other. Now, in the passage, verses 24 and 25, we read about that mutual stimulation, that mutual encouragement. We read, for instance, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. If you are not a part of a church in which that stimulation exists, then you need to get to work and become the stimulant for others. It's so easy to become lax. It's so easy just to become a part of it all but not really a vital part that contributes something to the lives of others and that receives what others have to give to you. But this passage says that we are to stimulate one another. The word "stimulates" is an interesting word because in the, the original it has the idea of an irritant, something that does not allow things to go along just smoothly without some kind of difficulty. Whenever we stimulate another person to change, we are irritating the present status quo. Now, this certainly doesn't encourage Christians to become irritants in one sense of that word in their local churches. It doesn't mean they should be going around causing all kinds of difficulty and trouble. But what it does mean is that it should, that every Christian should become a stimulant to others to keep them from going to sleep, to keep them from becoming uh, lax, to keep things from just rolling along smoothly in the same old groove. Always there ought to be stimulating talk, stimulating thoughts, stimulating living, stimulating ideas, stimulating change, stimulating confession of sin. This is how we ought to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. The stimulation here, you see, has a purpose. It's not to stimulate others to anger or to irritate them until they are provoked, but it is to so irritate the present status quo that out of that irritation or stimulation comes more love, more good deeds, and encouragement. How we need that. How we need others to stimulate us, to stir us up, to bring an abrasiveness against us that makes us reconsider our ways and reconsider our lives, to come in with fresh ideas and viewpoints and all the rest of it. Now, if you're not there with God's people, it isn't going to happen to you. And if it's not happening when you are there, then you better be the one who starts to see that it happens. Let's make sure that in that Sunday school class, you are one who stimulates others. That in conversation following the sermon as you leave the church, that you have some stimulating comment perhaps on the sermon that brings it down to the place where you and others live. This is the principle, a principal purpose for meeting together as God's people. And if it's not provided for, and if it isn't there, it must come about. Speak to your pastor about it. If it's not in your church, stimulate him to more love and good works, one of which is to make more provision and opportunity for stimulation to love and good works. In this day where we don't see one another from week to week except in pews, sitting side by side, with one another, maybe time has to be provided for Christians just to fellowship and have this kind of stimulating contact with each other. Indeed, maybe you need to come to church a half hour earlier and separate the Sunday school and the church hour with a half hour of coffee and discussion together, in which there can be some real stimulation. I don't know whether that's the answer in your situation, but if it's not there and if the opportunity is not there, it must be made. Perhaps that's the very first stimulating thing that you can suggest in your church this week. Some way to bring about more opportunity for contact in which Christians may stimulate one another to love and good works. Lord, help us, for Christ's sake, to be stimulants to one another. Amen.